Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We're glad you've joined us to listen to a message from our pastor, Ashley Ellison. We believe God's Word is powerful and that it can be applied to our lives so that we may live victoriously. Let's join Pastor Ashley now as he shares the Word with us. I want to continue on something I've been speaking on, and this will be my third and maybe final, you never know, uh, in, in this series, The Faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. And you don't have to hear the other two to be ministered to today, so don't let that shut you out. But if you want more on this topic, we've got that available on podcast and available um, on on YouTube, our, our YouTube channel. So, you know, you have a hard time living by faith when you don't believe the God that you say you have faith in is faithful to you. You're just going to have a hard time living the life of faith. And that's what we're, we're, we're talking about all year here at Christian Ministries Church is living by faith. And, and if you don't believe in the faithfulness of God, you're going to have a hard time living by faith in your own personal life. You know, if God is faithful to you based on his word, and we know that his word says that he is, then we should be able to live faithful to him. So the question becomes, well, why aren't we? And not to look at somebody else and what they're doing, but I'm talking about looking inside yourself. Are you living a life of faith? God is what we call as Christians the author and the finisher of our faith. Okay, so when in life you go through a trial or you go through some type of affliction, The thought can be that, well, God's the author, so he obviously put me through this. He's obviously the one who did that. And I want to go on record today, God doesn't do it like that. God came in the person of Jesus, and he came that we can have life and life abundant. So, our faith in God has to be connected to his goodness to us, his love for us. And the enemy just has this way of trying to make us think wrongly that God has authored this trial. God has authored this affliction. And I want you to know the Bible says that God has connected us. It says that he'll never leave us. He won't forsake us. It says he is the answer and we are to run to him. And if you believe that he is the author of the affliction and the trial you're going through, you're going to have a hard time running to him. I just, I really want you, I mean, depression hits and we think, well, God's the one authoring my life, so I'm in depression. It must be him that caused this. Something happens and we just start, because of our Christianese talk, that's a bilingual lingual thing. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. What, that's what. We go. <laughs> going back to my notes. If you have your Bible, 1 Corinthians, I don't have time to go off on Chapman's runs here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, <laughs> verse 13. This is our text that we've been in. The temptations in your life are no different 
from what others experience. I've got to stop. The temptations, once again, you dive into that word in the Greek, and it means the experiences of evil. The experiences of evil, the temptations in your life are no different than what others experience. And then it says God's faithful. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation, the experience of evil, to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Now, many times this verse, after it's been read, or even I have heard taught on, you'll hear someone say, see, that verse proves that God will never put more on us than we can bear or handle. You may have heard that. First off, let me just tell you, God is not putting anything on you. That is a wrong interpretation of this verse. God will never put anything on you. God's job is to help take things off of you. God will never put anything on you. No, no, no. He's helping lift it off. Why would he throw it on you to then lift off? See, God won't uh, allow you to be tempted more than you can take, but, but with an experience of evil, he'll make a way out. And that way is the cross. It's through Jesus. We need to learn to realize God is faithful to us. He's faithful. Everyone, everyone is going through something. Come on, we're all going through something. That's why we need each other. We need some of what God has given us, and we could use at times what he has given us from each other. Let me just say that again. We need what God has given us, and sometimes we could use that from each other. But at times, we, we don't really think about that. Well, what did God give us? He gave us some mercy, and he gave us some grace. That's what he gave us. And at times, it'd be nice to get that from people. But you, you need to know that you can't make a reflection on God based on looking at someone else. When they don't give mercy and grace, you can still know God does. You can still know that he does. See, God... Gives mercy. What is mercy? It means you're not getting what you deserve. Aren't you glad? And then grace is getting what you don't deserve. Now, they sound very similar. See, see, we get healed and we didn't deserve that. That would be grace, the grace of God. Getting something that we didn't deserve. I deserve hell, but I didn't get it because of his mercy. Instead, I get to go to heaven, something I didn't deserve, grace. I want to spend a lot of time there. If you didn't get that, come and I'll, I'll, you can write it down later. Not everything that happens to us is good, and not everything that happens to us is God. So good. Just some phrases that God kind of laid on my mind when we were talking about this, he and I. See, he has a way of working all things out for our good because we love him and we know we have a calling on our life. If you have your Bibles and want to turn there, you can read it on the screen. James 1 verse 12, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Well, just some verses maybe set you free this morning. 
When you're going through something, don't ever say, God did this to me. There's so many not serving the Lord, and, and, and it's because the enemy got in their head and made them start saying this phrase to themselves, that's what I get for serving God. I've heard people that left the ministry with that thought in their head, that's what I get for serving God. No, that's what you get for being a bonehead. That's not what you get from serving God. You just got a wrong view of God. And the enemy has some victory going on in your life because there's a battle and you just lost it. People listening and watching this morning, I'm just telling you, they're hurting and many in this room are hurting. And there are many that have hurt and they have endured. And so if you're in the middle of hurting, I want to encourage you, endure. Endure. So many give up on God, and I want you to know God's never given up on you. He has never given up on you. It's hard to explain this in a message, how God is not doing bad things to me. I mean, he's just not doing that. He is with me in those bad things. And he is working in me through those bad things. See, many of us were taught, well, God's just going to teach you something because he put this on you, so God's going to teach you something. Well, that's partially right, but he's not putting something on you to that's teach right. you something. That's right. That's right. Like he did it. Yeah. Just because you've been taught something your whole life doesn't make it right. Just because you've heard it. You need a scripture to back that up, and it ain't there. God didn't put, put that on you to teach you. God will teach you something in every situation. However, that doesn't mean that God did it to teach you. I just keep saying that because that just set someone free today. I believe that with all that I am. I was praying for that actually this morning that God would allow someone to get free this morning when they heard that. God didn't do that. God didn't do that. When you were 12 years old, God didn't do that. Why didn't he? Why didn't he help me? He did. He is. He did it 2,000 years ago. I just, we've, we've got to get a right view here. The faithfulness of God is real. As parents, we don't do bad things to our kids to teach them something. I think I'm going to go out and break my kid's leg just because I'm tired of him running. Nobody, no good. Right, right. Not, that doesn't make any sense at all. We accuse God of things we would never accuse a human being of doing. And he's God. Romans 4.15, for the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. That's the only way. That's the only way. God's wrath against sin was revealed in the Old Testament. Once again, his wrath was against sin. His wrath, his anger was against sin. And the Jewish culture has a real hard time with this. They believe that his wrath was always based on them. The law was not ever going to be fulfilled to make them righteous. It was to be seen as revelation for them that they're not good without him. I'm getting ahead of myself. 
God's wrath against sin was revealed in the Old Testament, and they interpreted that wrath against sin as God's nature. And we still do that. We see what he did against sin, and we say that was his nature. That's why so many believe God is an angry person just waiting to punish you. God's angry. He's mad. He, we've lost an entire generation because we're not preaching the good news of the gospel. And that's what I want to do today. I don't want you walking out of here not knowing that the gospel is good news. Yeah. It's good news. We've just, the cross is where Jesus bore all of my sin yeah. and yours. In his body, and he poured the entire curse of the Old Testament law out on Jesus. That's what God did. He poured it all out on Jesus for you and I. Now, that, that's just a confusing thing unless you really dive in and get what he was saying here. Galatians says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Let's just read it. Galatians 3.13. Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Now that he did that, you can just write this down. God will never be angry with you again. I'm really, really believing that God wants to free some people this morning. Isaiah Isaiah had a revelation of the cross. So he was a prophet who saw the cross and the benefit of that work. Let me just give you some cool stuff. As I was studying this, I think this is really cool. Isaiah 40 through 66, the last 27 verses, or 27 chapters, I'm sorry, of Isaiah is all about the revelation of Jesus, the revelation of the cross. And he starts laying it out in those 27 chapters. And what God does then to redeem us to himself he records in the 27 books of the New Testament. For those of you that just kind of interested in some of that, I think that's kind of cool. See, the New Testament does the same thing. Isaiah prophetically revealed in his word, in God's word, the revelation of what Jesus did, the revelation of the cross. God is not angry with you. He's not punishing you in opposition. He, he's not turned against you, and he is now your enemy because you're not living for him. However, he will chasten you. i got to give a little disclaimer. He will correct you. He will discipline you, but he does it as a father who loves his children does it. And so you got to know that. See, God does it all out of love because he loves you. Parents, it's hard to sing to your kids, Jesus loves me, this I know, if you don't really believe that. Jesus loves me. God loves me. And he does all that he does out of his love for us, not because of his anger towards us. Some of you are like, move on. Nope, not yet. I'm just not got this. Punishment and discipline. I don't know if you've studied much about the two. They can be seen as two different things. Punishment is all about wrath, anger, curse. The way many see God, well, I'm just getting punished. 
But correction or discipline, chastening, he will discipline you over sin in your life because he loves you, but punishment moves you away, correction brings you in. So there's just a lot here. I mean, correction's done to bring you back. I thought growing up that God was unhappy with me all the time and he was just pouring out his wrath on me. I heard it all the time. You better watch now. God is watching you. He's going to get mad at you if you just keep doing that. And we just keep feeding that into our kids. And wait a minute here. God's not going to be mad what he's going to do. He might correct you, but he does it because he loves you and he wants to hug you. And he wants you to be in his presence. And so he's not punishing you to move you away. He's correcting you to bring, are you getting this? To bring you in. Isaiah saw this point hundreds of years before the cross. And I just, Isaiah 40, let's just start right there. And I'm not going from Isaiah 40 through chapter 66 today. But I do want to read chapter 40, verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Aren't you glad it doesn't say condemn, condemn my people? Condemn them, condemn them. I've been in church services that it seemed that the job of the preacher was to condemn people to get into tears so that he could get them to the altar. It is no one's job to bring condemnation. And God himself says, that's not what I did. Comfort, 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 comfort. Let's keep reading. Isaiah 40 verse 3 starts talking about John the Baptist. He's foretelling some stuff that was... Well, you don't read till the New Testament. It says, listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys, level the mountains and hills, straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Man, that ought to get you excited. And let me tell you why. See, what he's saying here is life should be smooth sailing, not based on circumstances, but based on how we have a relationship with God. It should be smooth sailing. You don't have to be in this weird relationship. You you don't have to keep you and God wrong. It's smooth sailing in your relationship with God. Why? Because Jesus came and John told us. Here's what's going to happen. See, God is the same yesterday. He's the same today. He's the same forever. He has always been a God of love. Well, we see him as a God of wrath. Well, you're seeing him wrong. The wrath was poured out. There's not a doubt. But it was all based on his view of sin and the consequence thereof. No matter what I go through, God stays the same. You know, I can't do enough good to get him to love me more. And I can't do enough bad for him to love me less. The mountains have come down. The valleys have come up. That means it's leveled out. See, the, the curves are now straight. The rough, for those of you that live in Missouri, especially the southern part, man, curves straightening out are a good thing. I want you to see that our relationship with God should be a good thing. The curves, they've straightened out. Our view now can be seen because of what Jesus did, and Isaiah was telling about it. It's not so rough 
It's smooth. It's all about your relationship, not about whether life is going to be rough. It's about our relationship with God being good. The mountains are not the same. See, we're in warfare right now in our country. You've got to know that. Let me say that over here because I didn't get quite what I was looking for. We're in warfare in our country right now. About the same. But as Christians, the warfare is not with God. But we are in war. We're having a culture conference, and just so you know, the video that you saw earlier, if you get a chance, you might share it, and if you leave your comments open after you share it, you'll see that we're in war. It's going to be a very controversial video. Well, let me just tell you, war and peace are opposites. We're in war right now. We're looking for the day where peace can come, but it only comes through Jesus. And I know that this world is not operating with the love of Jesus. It's a perverted love. And here's the thing. It's causing Christians to think our war is with God, and it's not. We act like we don't even know we're at war. Unless something supernatural takes place, let me just tell you, we're going to lose this war. Pastor, I can't believe you just said that. You will lose whatever you don't know you're in. If you don't know you're in war, then you don't have a chance of winning. No one wins a war they don't even know they're in. That is why we as God's people have got to wake up. We don't even realize that there is a battle going on for our kids right now. And it's not new. It's been going on for a while. God really revealed this to Michelle and I some 20-some years ago with our kids. And we made a, a real controversial decision that we weren't going to do it the way everybody else was because we saw the battle being lost. And we stepped in and we determined to win the battle for our kids. Now, you can look at what we did, but both of our kids are in church. They live a life of church in their home. And I, I just, I want you to know that we recognized that 20-some years ago. It's not an accident. Well, you just got lucky. There was no luck to it. We knew we were in a war. And so we were determined that we were going to fight that war. We were battling against an ideology that was after their way of thinking and a culture that was fighting to say it was right and God's word said it was wrong and we fought and we fought and we had to fight against even family, but we fought and we fought and then here's another battle. Man, there's a war and this is just another battle and we fought and praise God, now they're into adulthood and we have six grandkids and the fight's not over. We're still fighting. I got a little red in the face because I'm in battle and war is going on. And, and most parents are not even fighting for their own kids and they're hoping, they're just hoping. Let me tell you, hope won't take you to victory. I appreciate that you hope, but hope ought to move you into doing something. And if you don't know there's a war for your kids right now, you aren't going to do anything. Praise God, we've got some people doing some things. And if you're not, then get woke up to the woke. That was good. 
You have leadership in this church right now that are fighting harder for these kids' lives than some of their parents are. Let me just tell you, and we're winning. In Jesus' name, we're winning. Warfare is not us against God. It's us on his team. And we know that. And we we know warfare has ended with God. And if you don't, then you won't recognize the war that our culture is in. Jesus fought it at the cross and he won. God's not mad at you. He's not angry with you. That battle is over regardless of what you're going through. I don't care what you face. God loves you and he has an extreme amount of amazing grace that he has poured out for your life. Romans 8 verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. Who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. I was condemned. You and I were both condemned because we were born with a sin nature. Adam totally messed this whole thing up. And all the men, it was Eve. Okay, Adam and Eve, we'll put them both in there. You can blame one or the other, but what I'm saying from the beginning of man, we messed this thing up. And see, then the seed of Adam continued on. Man to man to man to man, the, from the dad. The dad produces the seed that continued going on until Mary. And then, come on, everybody understands the story of Mary, right? A different seed. And when that different seed, it wasn't man's seed. God said, my seed. My seed is going to birth righteousness. Because the seed of man keeps messing this up. So a different seed was needed, a different blood, if you will. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. God bypassed man with his own seed to win back what he set up in the beginning. Now, I'd love to spend a lot of time here, but Jesus went to the cross and God put in his flesh the sins of the whole world and God condemned Jesus in the flesh for what you and I did. That's the payment. So you and I were condemned, but we were in him which paid for the condemnation and freed us up. It freed us. Jesus, come on, in, in Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.21, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin, yes. yeah. that we might become, what? The righteousness of God. Just right out of the Word. Jesus didn't sin to be made sin. See, he didn't, and I don't do good works to be made righteous. Jesus was made sin on the cross, and I was made right by his resurrection. Boy, I just want you to know, I would love to spend a lot of time. I think I'm talking to saved people here this morning. But you got to know that none of that happened out of an angry God. 
It came out of a God who loved you. God is not condemning you. It's not because we don't deserve condemnation, but it's because he paid the price for it. So we didn't have to live condemned. He took care of that on you and I's behalf. Now listen, Jesus came and did life here. He lived among us, independent of a sin nature. He did what we couldn't do. You know what we couldn't do? We couldn't keep the law and you still can't. You can't keep the law. And God knew that. You break the law and you need Jesus. Jesus makes us right. And our part is to have faith. And the devil's job is to try to get us to see that God isn't good. And you can't ever be made right. And he's right kind of. But we can because Jesus is right. And so we place a faith in him, and then we see him as faithful to us, and we live right. The reason people don't live in good standing with God is because they, in their mind, walk away. But God's following him the whole time, saying, well, I just need him to grab me. All right, well, visually, just say that's what he's doing right now. But he doesn't do that. He leaves it to your choice. He's saying, come on. I've paid all this for you. You don't have, I'm a good God. My warfare with God is over and maybe somebody needs to get over it this morning. You got to get to a place where you understand that is your faith in his faithfulness to you that brings you out of your situation. Now there are still consequences to sin. I thought about bringing the cross up here. The one that sits in the back, you might just look at it on your way out. But here's the thing. Everybody knows what a cross looks like. There is a vertical and a horizontal. Now, here's what you can just think, because this is real, real easy. The cross has a vertical beam, and it has a horizontal beam. Sin vertically, the vertical beam between me and God has been resolved. That's what the cross did. It resolved it. Now, but the horizontal effect of sin is still here. And a lot of people confuse the two. See, you, you, you sin here and there's a horizontal effect that it hurts us, it hurts our spouse, it hurts our family, it hurts our kids. But between me and God, it's all good. Well, Pastor, I don't understand that. Well, you need to listen to the last three messages on the faithfulness of God. That's where I will say you'll have to listen to that because I've talked and talked about it. The thought of what it would do from a horizontal standpoint, keeps me from sinning a lot. I I can't have my wife deal with what a lot of pastors walk into. I don't want my kids ever hearing, thinking, I don't want my grandkids. Yeah, my grandpa was a preacher and then he went out and had an affair. Okay, wait, see, that would still, I'd still be in, because Jesus took care of all of that, but the effect that it would take horizontally on everybody I love so much, see, it has a horizontal effect. The thought of what it would do, it keeps me. The horizontal effect of so many things, addictions that I have seen in my family that they're easy to get it, I'm not doing it. I'll, I'll... I'll never, and you, you can be mad at me all day long for saying this, but alcohol won't come to my lips. 
Why? Because I've already seen what it's done in my family. And I know the tendency that has taken effect in my own personal life because of what I've saw, it ain't going there. I can't have that. Well, you're just condemning everybody else. No, I'm not. But if God convicts you of that, praise the Lord, because he wants to draw you closer. And I've never seen one drinking and getting closer. Let's just go drink and boy, oh, praise God. No, that's all facetious. That's weird. Can you get on some others? Oh, you bet. I can get on a whole bunch of them. But I'm not here to condemn anyone. I'm here to tell you God wants to bring restoration into your life. And you've got to understand there's a horizontal effect to sin. And it may not be taking a drink is sin, but if you're not careful, the effects of that first one lead to, and I just don't want to head down a road that leads me into those positions. The thought of what it would do keeps me from it, the thought of what I've already seen it do. I'm not living holy to get God to love me more. This might rub some of you wrong, but you need to hear it. I'm not living holy to get to go to heaven. I'm, I'm, I'm already seated in heaven. That's what the Bible says. See, I'm not living holy because God's going to punish me. I'm not even living holy because of the consequences of seed time and harvest. And I understand that there are. There are some things that damage because we've been in sin horizontally and, and you won't ever fix it in this lifetime. You go kill somebody, and I'm just telling you, it's going to wreak havoc upon how you live because a prison cell becomes the rest of this life. See, there's a horizontal thing that happens when you get into sin. But you need to know, you don't get this one mixed up. He made you as right, not based on what you did, but based on what he did. Everybody get that? All right, I got to... I got to move into what I really want to talk about. That's all the introduction to today's message. So here we go. I, actually, in the end of this, I've got four things that want to just want to speak into your life that I don't want you to live condemned. There are four sources of condemnation. Four sources of condemnation. If you've been feeling condemned, let me tell you, the first source of condemnation is Satan. If I yield to sin, God doesn't punish me and condemn me, but if I sin, the enemy does come in to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, how can the enemy come where God is? Okay, don't get caught up on that. The Bible says don't give place to the devil, which means that obviously a Christian, and he's talking to Christians there, obviously a Christian can give a place to the devil. You can give a place to the enemy. And so what I'm wanting you to see this morning is Satan is a source of condemnation. Don't give him a place. I just have enough problems going on in life without giving him space. The older you get in life, things hurt that you never knew were on you or in you. I don't need the enemy. Getting out of bed is just tough enough sometimes. Especially four or five times a night. <laughs> Few people know it. Anyway. So what do you do when the enemy starts condemning you and you realize it's Satan? You repent and turn. 
Because sin opens a door for the enemy, and you need to get out of that, and you need not let him have any space. Here's the second source of condemnation, others. <laughs> Boy, can people not put you into condemnation? They can. And sometimes it wasn't even them, it's just what you thought they were thinking. 2 Corinthians 7, 3. Paul says, I'm not saying this to condemn you. I said before that you're in our hearts and we live or die together with you. Right before that, in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1, he says, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. I get Paul in what he's saying here. Let me explain this. I have said things that was received as condemnation. In fact, I just did that to kind of set it up because somebody's going, okay, he's talking to me. That's the enemy trying to say, wait. Pastor's condemning you. Who's he to do that? Don't let me or don't let anyone else bring you into condemnation. It's not God's plan. People have felt condemned. Right here, Paul is saying, hey, everybody needs to work towards complete holiness. Paul said that. And then right after that, he says, now I'm not saying this to condemn you. (laughs) So don't freak out when a pastor says that. He brings out an area and says, hey, here's an area that you need to get fixed. Well, he's condemning it. No, Paul said right there, and I'm going to say it to you, don't don't think I'm trying to condemn you because I'm not. That's not the heart of this pastor. I love you. I love you. Now, at times, the Holy Spirit will take something that I have said, and it will convict. It'll put areas in your mind where, okay, I need to get that changed. But condemnation, keep in mind, pushes you away from God, and conviction pulls you up towards towards in your mind. Initially... Conviction and condemnation can feel very much the same. But what you do with it will determine what it is. See, if you're condemned and you move away from God, you obviously did not get convicted. You took that as condemnation. If you ever start thinking that you're getting condemned, here's what's happening. It's moving you away. So turn that condemnation and conviction and move towards Have you got anybody, many of us have people in our own lives that are living a lifestyle that we're not happy with, we're not pleased with, we don't think that's the right thing, whatever that lifestyle is. And we're frustrated because they're living like this and and, and we don't want to talk to them because, or we do talk to them and they just think we're on their case and we're condemning them and we're just pushing them further away. When you share the truth in love and they get condemned, they have given ear to the enemy. When you share the truth in love and it is something that is from God, his intent is for it to bring conviction and move them close. Are you hearing? I'm really just trying to help somebody this morning. National media, that's a condemnation right there. They're condemning. They'll shame you. They'll guilt you into giving up your freedom. Come on, I'm talking about at school board meetings on all of this vote this way that you see advertised everywhere. Vote for this person, you'll have freedom. You gotta be careful that you know the word. 
Because they're condemning God's people into thinking wrong. That's condemnation. It's moving you away from God. Now, the third one, our own hearts condemn us. Our feelings. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. He goes on to say, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have, con- we have confidence towards God. Other translations say, if your feelings condemn you, not your heart, your feelings. Let me just say, you can take the scripture and say, God's greater than your feelings. Yeah. Well, I'm, my feelings got hurt. God's greater than your feelings. Well, I just don't feel, I just don't feel. You, your heart, you got to be careful that that heart don't condemn you. People who get offended, it's because their heart condemned them. Their heart, their feelings Their feelings got into a place that they they felt condemned. They felt like everybody was on them and they moved them away. Wait a minute here. That was condemnation. That wasn't conviction. And if you're starting to feel condemned, just turn it around and get your eyes on Jesus. Your hearts and your feelings. Verse 22 of 1 John 3. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So right after he says, if the heart doesn't condemn us, we have confidence towards God. If you can get your feelings out of the way, you can have confidence in God, and then whatever you ask can be done. If you can just get those feelings to shut up. Oh, you shouldn't say that word. Well, Quit. Quit giving voice and words to emotion. See, it'll condemn you, and you did it yourself. It was your own feelings, your own heart that are deceiving you into condemnation. You know, when when you sin, your conscience gets all out of whack. It really does. Now, here's the thing. (laughs) All of us have been there. Our conscience gets out of whack. And someone says, hey, would you pray for me? And you're like, no, I can't. I'm in sin. You wouldn't say that, but... When your conscience is out of whack, you don't want to pray for anybody. Why? Because you don't want to talk to God. You're far removed. Would you pray for me? Uh, my mind's not where it needs to be. Well, you you got to get over that condemnation that your feelings are moving you into. It's moving you too far away. And then you're not talking to him because you don't want to. It's because of sin left unattended. All right, the fourth and the last one is the law. If you try to live in New Testament grace and live by Old Testament law, you will feel condemned all the time. See, the law will bring you condemnation. It was not given to make us righteous. It was given to show us our unrighteousness and therefore our need for someone to love me. And that's what God came for. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.